Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, we've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, his wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at GoFundMe.com slash F slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039S hyphen butt. Uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's gofundme.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. You know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan, and, you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated just hang in there matt you'll beat this thing soon i'm glad you could join me here for a coffee batman no problem jim it's our yearly tradition every new year's eve i enjoy it yes a nice black coffee what do you you usually get black coffee as well or or what yes no sugar i don't do sugar. No cream either? No. Dairy doesn't work well with my system. Yeah, I start to fart a lot myself. So, I was wondering, do you think the criminals are sort of getting used to us doing this every year? I mean, I noticed there's kind of a crime spike on New Year's Eve, and I don't think that's just people being drunk. Crime spike? What are you talking about? Well, we've done a little bit of analytics at GPD and uh, we've noticed that there's all kinds of crime that happens on New Year's Eve the exact time that we're having coffee they I think they know I mean you're sitting here with the suit on you ordered your coffee with the suit on you're drinking it right now suit on and it's not exactly a secret they see it they know this is like the fifth year in a row or some shit you, I mean, you know, they, they're going to figure it out. They're, you know, some of them aren't that smart, but they figure it's, it's not that hard. What do you think I should do, Jim? Just go without our coffee every year? Oh, hold, hold on there now. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying maybe we should, uh, we should meet somewhere else. I'm going to assume this other place we are thinking of meeting will also have coffee. Of course. How can we not have a cup of joe? You got to start off the year that way. Are you kidding me? Yes, yes, I'm already on my third cup. If I don't have fucking jitters, by the time I get the GPD, I don't think I can function well. So, I know, I smell what you're stepping in there, buddy. If coffee were a drug, I'd be busting every Starbucks. If coffee were a drug, it would be illegal. But look at us just drinking, sipping away. <laughs> yes, Batman and Gordon would never do illegal drugs. 
Perfectly legal cup of joe right here. I'll have another. I need a triple shot espresso. I love my coffee. What? 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 Ah! <laughs> I think we might have a problem. No way we don't have a problem. There's no way. Oh, the jitters. Jim, are you sure we don't have a problem? It seems like we're kind of prioritizing coffee over crime fighting tonight. Oh, fuck criminals. They don't give us coffee anyway. Who That's cares? very true. Co Never mind that. Coffee is number one. I'll drink to that. Hey, <laughs> too. <laughs> Happy New Year, and welcome to Superhero Stuff You Should Know, a Superhouse podcast. We are once again your hosts. I'm Ben. And I'm Andrew, everybody. How's it going? Wonder Woman, y'all, starting it off the new year <laughs> with a bang, I must say. <laughs> Indeed, yes. It's also, one in the interest, because we've been doing a lot of 80th anniversary stuff, 2021 is the 80th anniversary of Wonder Woman as well. So God, I felt like it was just the 75th just five yeah, I know, years right? ago, Ben. Indeed, <laughs> but yes, Wonder Woman 1984 has been out. This is guy. This is going over to you guys in the first episode of the new year, and true to the DCEU form, it's been very divisive in terms of people's <laughs> opinions. When will uh, it not be movie. divisive, man? That's what kills me. I wish Wonder Woman one wasn't divisive. Not that much. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't at all. I think that was the most. If anything, I think that's the most universally loved DC movie out of this extended universe so far. Aquaman yeah. and Shazam had decent reviews, but I think that was more on the side of just like, eh, it's okay. But then I think most other stuff has been kind of like this, where a lot of people have different opinions on them. Some love it, some hate it, some just think it's okay. Uh, I'll go into our polls that I put on our social media. Okay. I thought uh, real quick, you know, this is not, we're not usually a review podcast, but, you know, we do have our own opinions right. on this movie, and we'll be going into our usual deep dive into the different comic book connections and behind-the-scenes anecdotes and Easter eggs and comparisons to the right. comics and all that stuff okay. uh, as well. But just to start things off, we might as well go into opinions on this movie. And uh, Andrew knows that I personally have sort of held off from offline discussions of this until this recording. I know Andrew's opinion, but for the benefit of the listener, why don't you go ahead, Andrew, and start things off. It was tough, at kind of, because... Oh, how can I say this? Like, as I started to unpack it, I found especially one item that I wasn't <laughs> happy about. I don't know why. I think, how much can we get into this? Just reveal the whole thing? Yeah, so I'm sure as you guys are listening, this is a very spoiler-filled episode. Yeah. This one and our next one that we'll do in this. So if you haven't watched the movie... Go to HBO Max, watch the movie, then come back. This Spoiler is your alert! Yes, for sure. Okay, so mm -hmm. I'm about to we're about to really get into it. Okay, so you've been yep. warned a couple times. Okay, I'm gonna really get into it then. Um, so, Wonder Woman rapes somebody in this movie. Uh, <laughs> it's just not. There's way no to other start things off. <laughs> there's no other way to put it. it uh, it's, I I I think I missed it a little bit at first, and I think a lot of people have. I've talked to a few people about it now. And I think they miss it because you're not exactly sure how the magic is working, but they shoot themselves in the foot because there's the scene where they're in the there's he, 
Steve Trevor's talking in the mirror, right. and he says, well, you know, this guy, about, you know, he's talking about, like, the body that he's in, and so it makes it seem like Steve Trevor knows it, and more importantly, Diana knows it. So mm-hmm. the movie goes out of its way to rape this random guy. Uh, and take over his house and his clothes. You know, taking over somebody's food. Taking over somebody's house is one thing, but this is, you know, this is this is rape or his life and this is a, his this body is, and endanger it for a majority of the runtime. You know what? I, I I actually let a lot of that slide if it, if if it they didn't have the rape part in it. You know, like this is yeah. Like imagine, like you said, like the, imagine if the roles were reversed or the genders were mm-hmm. reversed. There, it would it wouldn't have seen the light of day. But I think people just aren't. People aren't super. Uh, they're not super sensitive to woman on male rape, and it's obviously something that deals with uh, magic and stuff. So it's a little bit hard harder to read. But mm-hmm. um, you know, if it wasn't for that part, I wouldn't really have a problem too much with it. To be honest with you, like mm-hmm. I know, I know there's a lot wrong with it. And I can honestly forgive a lot, you know. When we get into the Man of Steel lips, you're going to see my forgiveness quite a bit, actually, right. even though I made fun of it a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, Zod's about to kill the whole planet. So a little mm-hmm. neck snap there is like, you know, I almost forgive it, really, you know. But but with this, uh, this is a random stranger that is in an mm-hmm. unconscious body. And I... I Again, by the way, this is not a review episode. Uh, we will get to info stuff. We used to do review episodes before, and they went nowhere. So that's you we know, even did one on the first Wonder Woman. We did one on the uh, first Wonder Woman. Go in the backlog. Sometime, yeah, sometime this year we'll do a deep dive on that one since I feel like we need to to do that. If we're, we're going to do it for this one. We should do it for the first one. Right. So we, yeah, we'll we will get to our to the uh, infotainment part in a minute. Uh, we'll just get this out of the way. Um, you know, but it's, it's like the hero for young girls, you know, to identify with mm-hmm. and like, hopefully they won't even notice it, especially if they're pretty young, but it's just, it was bad. It could look, this is a movie that deals with Zeus. It's got magic in it. It's got a fucking lasso of truth. Magic all up and down in Wonder Woman. Zeus is real in this movie, you know, in a, in a sense, they don't show him, but you know what I mean? Right. Greek mythology mm-hmm. is real in this universe so you could have had the magic just make him appear out of thin air in the party why do we need him to inhabit somebody's body it's just so dumb to me right Uh, yeah it's to go all the way to do that to show that it's so easily avoided you know Mm -hmm. this problem is so easily avoided um but it's just you know they didn't avoid it they I don't know. They they're just missing some sort of like emotional intelligence or something, man. I don't know what it is. Like, I don't like know. the whole Martha thing and all that. Like, how do you miss this? It's just so. Okay. Other than the rape stuff, I was thinking more general <laughs> thoughts. I didn't expect us to start with this off the bat, but I can't I mean, get over. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely a big it. point. I yeah, can't. It's definitely a huge point. I just can't get over it, Ben. Like, as soon as mm-hmm. it clicked in my head, like I think I had just forgiveness mode. My default is to for is to forgive, but my default really is to kind of let things slide more often than not. I'd like to think anyway, so I think mm-hmm. I was kind of letting that slide, and I and maybe in the back of my mind, I thought it might have been an error to 
too egregious that I couldn't believe that they would have made. So I just didn't <clears throat> believe they made it. But then once right. I processed it more, yeah, it's like, yeah, they did make this egregious fatal 404 error. <laughs> like, the system crashed, dude. Like, this is bad. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I, I My problems before that were just... Ma- okay, Maxwell Lord's great, actually. I think his power's cool. Sleazy 80s businessman. I like that. Um, I mean, Wish Powers, that's cool. That's like... Uh, nobody else has done that, you know. It's generally something more physical or something. So I thought that was awesome. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I really liked it at first. Um, people don't like Wonder Woman losing her powers, and people don't like heroes losing their powers, but I thought, you know what, it's cool, whatever. I can forgive that too, it's fine. Something almost not forgivable, but not rape level, of course, is just... And again, we're two dudes talking about this, so right. please, women, comment below. Uh, mm-hmm. if you don't mind about all this if we me- mess anything up but like the Wonder Woman should say something about womanhood what it should be existential about women I think in a way and I think the animated mm-hmm. one from like 2003 or whatever the fuck actually at least from what I remember it's been years but it kind of delves into that I think it was written by mm-hmm. Gail Simone too at least in part Yep, it, it should just like should be a little bit more of that. And so connected to that is Cheetah. Cheetah mm-hmm. should have been more central. You, you, honestly, as much as I love Maxwell Lord, Pedro Pascal did a great job at what he, you know, I think he's great. Um, and Kristen Wiig was great. Uh, it, it should have been about them, more focused. Like Athena Finger was telling us, like, we have too many villains in there. There's only two villains in this, so that's pretty good. And there's the, the MacGuffin affects everybody. The MacGuffin being right. that stone, the dream stone mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Um, so I like that. I think that particular part is good writing. That throws everybody into motion. Boom, that MacGuffin is making shit happen. Like, thought that was real good. Uh, how does Cheetah become a cheetah? You know, like everything's explained mm-hmm. in this one little thing. So honestly, that's good, I think. But Cheetah, Cheetah stuff should have been more developed, and it should have just been like a drama between them and like. Well, you do have like a little bit of like the man, like a a man turning women on to each other in a sense, like making them enemies or the toxicity between women. You know, talk about that or something. You know, like something was just not expounded upon as much there was as something they, that could have been said with the relationship between diana and barbara but it was shortchanged it was underdeveloped underdeveloped and then i swear i'm done in a second i swear <laughs> i let it out of my system but <laughs> thanks for letting me go first um yep. the this is again a trivial thing if this was the biggest problem in the movie it would have been great but the mm-hmm. you know the fight at the end with cheetah is just a bit short like you really want like you know, this is her Joker. You want them to duke it out like pretty fucking hardcore. I want to mm-hmm. see scratches on Wonder Woman's face that aren't healing that quickly because she's just that powerful. I want to see mm-hmm. that almost flash-like speed of her. You know what I mean? Yep. I want to mm-hmm. see Wonder Woman grab that bitch and fly it up and do like a mega suplex. Wham! <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. <sighs> dude. It's, it also earned that fight. 
like earn yeah yeah that being a big emotional thing otherwise it's just gonna be cg Kristen wig fighting against gal gadot for a little bit yeah which is kind of what it was that yeah yeah it's um that whole thing just wasn't done well man it just mm-hmm. it's and then okay and then we're getting minor and minor as we go uh right the the last thing i think is just the the, the armor people have talked about that uh mm-hmm. yeah it's probably should have done more the wing should have done more uh it mm-hmm. should have like meant more there's also like they set it up with the backstory of what's her name Asteria. Mm-hmm. She is supposed to seemingly like a symbol of self-sacrifice. I put this on when I think I'm ready to fucking go out. I'm dying in this right. armor. You mm-hmm. know, that's kind of how it was set up to me. So with a, like, I love Linda Carter being back and they made her like the OG queen. Mm-hmm. But if that original Asteria didn't, actually commit self-sacrifice sacrifice yourself i think no. it changes the meaning of that armor a little bit it know? does yeah she kind of just dark knight rises it and uh faked her death and uh <laughs> went off in italy to toast some espresso to michael Caine. yeah exactly and then the <laughs> and and then the um you know cheetah comes back as well and it's just like i mean i don't want i I hate it when they die. They only get one movie. I mean, I I get it, but just some, I was hoping some, she wouldn't. I was glad she didn't. Something that could it just could have been better there. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit bloated in the middle too, and um, I don't really care about them not using that much '80s music. I'm trying to bring up all these elements people thought were bad, but like for me, like we had mm-hmm. Stranger Things, we've had like a million '80s throwbacks, you know, dating for me anyway, dating back to the Wedding Singer in the late '90s, you know, like mm-hmm. '80s. It was fine. I don't mind that. It's just. You know. I'm not even sure if it needed to be in the 80s, to be honest. It didn't need to be in the 80s either. I there, was, there wasn't really anything specific to the 80s that it needed to be in, and you could have easily done all of that in 2020 time. Just I, take away all the different 80s stuff, like all the stuff that they were dealing with thematically is still relevant. I personally don't like it a whole lot when a superhero genre in particular is mm-hmm. period piece. Like the X-Men stuff. I'm Marvel, uh, uh, X-Men's my favorite Marvel thing, and mm-hmm. like... You know, all the X-Men movies to this, you know, a lot a lot of them anyway have been like in the past. And I mean, they're they've been good, but I just would rather them be. But at least now in those instances, some of those things made sense. Like yeah. Wonder Woman, World War One. Like, of course, you can't do a World War One story in 2017. It has to be when that yeah, happened. Yeah. And then with if you're going to do the young first class of X-Men, obviously, it's going to have to take place sometime in the past for right. Magneto to be that young, especially because he's a known camp, concentration camp survivor. Right, right, right. But here, it's like, why did this need to be the 80s? Why did we have to go there? Why did why, What was it about the 80s that... Some people, when they first announced the title, thought like maybe that was going to be a play on the whole 1984 thing, or it's like, like maybe the, it's the year, but it's also playing... Maybe, yeah, maybe it's playing around with George Orwell stuff, and plus Maxwell Lord is tied into the OMAC project, in the comics, <laughs> uh, which is where they basically do surveillance around the world. So okay. that that would have been an interesting thematic tie-in, but that's not in here at all because it's not about the OMAC project. There's no OMAX. It's about this, as our former co-host Wolfie described it, the dick rock is in this. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really see it as being a looking like a dick. Maybe that's his his problem. But I, I didn't. But Wolfie pointed that out, and I thought that was hilarious. That's funny. I mean. 
I don't know, man. I can, ex- I can, uh, you know, I'd like a, you know, we obviously like a good superhero mm-hmm. fun movie and with, even with their flaws. But when you have like this, this basically rape thing in it, it, you know, I can't really officially give it a thumbs up really. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if maybe if this was like a sin city or we're supposed to show like the seedy side of nature and it wasn't a hero yeah, but, character, but, but, or but play up that, aspect like acknowledge that don't yeah. just be like oh ha ha like yeah they look they, at how fun fun we're having they're totally tone deaf to it which is amazing to me i can't mm-hmm. i cannot believe it you know the first time my first run-in with rape no i'm just kidding <laughs> that that shock humor but um my first run-in with how people can't recognize rape on screen was with game of thrones where mm-hmm. You haven't seen it, right? I've seen the first season. Seen the first season. Oh, so you know what I'm talking about, probably. So I think I know what you're talking about. You're talking about uh, Jason Momoa and Emily Amelia Clark. Yeah, yeah, Drogo and Daenerys. So it seems like a lot of people didn't really recognize their first night together as rape, but it totally mm-hmm. is in the show. And the yeah. and the screenwriters or the producers, the pe- people everybody hates now, D and D, they always call them now. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they confirm it's supposed to be rape. They're trying to amp it up. In the book, apparently, I haven't read the book, but the chapter mm-hmm. ends with her saying yes. So George R. R. Martin ah, is very okay. clear so they, about it being not rape in the that. book. So, but yeah, but they changed it. They changed it for the show. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, in that scene, she's crying while being disrobed. I thought it was obvious. Yeah. It's, and it's it's pretty it, uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, it's like dude, I'm I'm not the wokest guy in the world. I've probably said a lot of bullshit on this podcast through the years. <laughs> like I'm I, sure it's still better than it's still better than what a lot of people would say, but yeah. I'm yeah, I'm not saying I'm fucking mother Teresa or people, you know, I'm not saying I'm like super pure hearted or whatever, but these these kind mm-hmm. of things like it's I think it should be easy easily noticed more right. easily noticed than, than they are. I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised they're not. I mean, with this movie, it definitely is. We've got articles on this aspect. We've got people on Twitter talking about it. Like, it's not... It might be, have been something lost, but the, the thing about this movie is with the HBO Max release, suddenly it's like, it's not just a new release movie in theaters anymore. It's also home release as well. So people are right. tweeting during it, just like they would with any sort of theatrical thing you got patty jenkins director's commentary is basically her twitter feed like it, it's <laughs> she's just really, going off huh it's a fascinating time to be in right now where it's it's like it's both new and home like the just it just made it a lot easier to prepare this episode simply because i could actually rewatch shit i couldn't do that with birds of prey oh, right. i couldn't True. like go back and True. be like oh yeah what was that part again like i can actually right. directly quote and have the subtitles on just to make sure that i got the lines right right if I right to right quote the movie I couldn't do that before, so it's 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 quite a time that we're in for me to be able to do that. Uh, but it also means that the the discourse about this has completely changed. You know, people aren't people are outraged about different things. There's people are saying as an anti-Arab sentiment too, because uh, there's that. And, and frankly, I'm as so, since neither of us are Arab, I don't really want to touch that. I, I, that's the thing. I was going to say something along those lines. Like I, that's why I didn't mm-hmm. bring it up initially. That's out there. Mm-hmm. Go look at it. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not prepared to talk about that at all and we don't really have anybody for representation on that right. so we're mm-hmm. we're going to 
uh, knowingly kind of sidestep that part of it. Um, so yeah, Gal Gadot is Israeli. She apparently has been part of operations against Lebanon when she was doing her mandatory service. Wonder Woman one was not released in Lebanon. Like, so there's all kind, there, you know, it's the whole thing. There's also could have been avoidable because, like, did we really need a whole detour into the Middle East? Again, it's, it's set in the like, 80s. Did it have to be the Middle East. It's set in the 80s. Cold War. Just do Russia again. You know. Yeah. I, I mean, when did it have to be? It's Iran again, and all the Arabs are bad guys. Like, really? Russia. Again? I mean, you know. Yeah, I think they sidestep a lot if it's Russia. I mean, it's if they go, if they're going to go 80s, why not do that? That was like the number one thing, as far there's as like I remember. Not even there's not a single Russian character in this. Not that I can remember. I don't think so. They just they, they want to play up the Cold War, but they don't even have a Russian character. They could have had her speaking Russian in it, just you know, mm-hmm. instead of uh, you know, um, whatever uh, language, uh, you know, a- Arabic, I think maybe. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it's dude, it's just it's just. <laughs> So much could have been done. And again, I probably would have damn near. I would have probably maybe given it mostly a thumbs up if it wasn't for that one element, you know? Right, right. What would you think, Ben? I've been talking too much. All right, my turn. Well, part of me kind of wishes that we recorded this a day earlier before you had processed those things (laughs) because we would have had even more opposite thoughts because I know that you, you initially you loved it. Uh, I really did because I hadn't I hadn't yeah. fully I just I don't know what it is it takes me a while to process mm-hmm. yeah I just while I was watching it for me personally I was like this is a slog this is hard for me to get through I the thought middle it was part not a mo- no just most a majority of it okay. pretty much once Maxwell Lord becomes a part of the story I was I was starting to check out everything else beforehand I was pretty much on board when I thought that this was going to be a relationship between Diana and Barbara and how that leads into you know maybe it'd be interesting to see what they lead into thematically in terms of what that means but they didn't really do that and i just did not find it very emotionally engaging in fact i found it quite boring to be honest it's way too long i think structurally it's all over the place they're trying to make things more emotional than they earned it's like they put in a million ideas where just like it's the 80s there's a cold war steve trevor comes back there's a wish stone there's maxwell lord there's barbara there's there's barbara who becomes cheetah and there's also you know, elements of Linda Carter and we're going to bring in the Kingdom Come armor and they just threw it all in a blender and tried to make it all stick into one thing. Throw in as well Invisible Jet plus Wonder Woman also flying, which kind of renders the Invisible Jet kind of useless. But anyway, um, a lot of people seem to enjoy Pedro Pascal as Maxwell Lord. Personally, I didn't. I don't know what movie he thinks he's in, but I thought he was awful in this. I there's, I just did not like his performance There's one scene where he's, he's get, he gets called loser by his boss. I did yeah. think I thought I thought that scene was pretty much cringe worthy, but yeah, it's <sighs> whatever. Where he's like, I am not a con man, and I'm like, it's just I'll go into the reasons why I didn't think it worked. Uh, in terms of performance wise, as I said, I just feel like he's in a Joel Schumacher Batman movie while everyone else is in a Wonder Woman movie. <laughs> I just think, and I more on so. the side of Tommy Lee Jones and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and less on the side of Jim Carrey and Uma Thurman. It's just he's. Just, it's basically like, oh, I'm, I'm acting, I'm acting, and and everyone else is just not like that. It's just completely out of place. It doesn't work. Okay, at all. I to play Perfect. devil's advocate there though, maybe yeah. inexcusable in the beginning, but I think some of that is Dreamstone influence. The Dreamstone influence in the, in the is, is fucking them up. Extremely, 
at the very beginning, it was extremely noticeable with all like the pointing and, and everything. Like I just, I didn't think he and it's a it's a TV personality where I think he's kind of lost himself in his own I get personality. It. I get it. It just it just felt just as a preview in terms of why I didn't think it worked. I don't think the movie quite knew how to present him. Okay, it's like oh okay. he's a sleazy guy. No, he's sympathetic. No, he's not quite sympathetic. He's just using Barbara for sex so he can get the stone. Oh, she. You know, still kind of like like it's it. Sometimes he's playing a sinister. Sometimes he's playing a sympathetic. But it's like it's not done in a way where it's balanced out or done where I'm like I don't I didn't think his character worked for me at all until the very end. Okay, and that's a problem. Okay, um, I, more along the lines of what you said. I thought Sheeta was completely wasted. I thought Kristen Wiig was the only real character I was invested in, and they eventually just underdevelop her and reduce her pretty much to being a henchwoman at the end. Uh, yeah, Max that's, kind of just turns her uh, into dude. Cheetah just so that she can fight Wonder Woman. I'm like, that's what you're going to do with Wonder Woman's great nemesis? You're going to make her basically be the, the muscle in I, this? Again, I'm mean, sorry to interrupt you real quick. The the mm-hmm. we're, we're not women, so we can't say too much about it. But like what, you know, the theme could have been between if it was between just her and Cheetah. It's like, why are women? Isn't there, isn't there a topic? Please let me know if I'm wrong in saying this. Mm-hmm. But. Isn't there isn't there kind of a topic out there of like why are women so mean to each other? Why is uh why is there toxicity amongst women? You know what I mean? Like I feel like I've heard that kind of topic before. And that's, that's absolutely a thing. Yeah, and, that's absolutely okay. an element of of you know wanting to have you know I, I several people I know in, in my life are like want more you know they want more female friends but can't because of of some things that get in the way and it's not something I personally have dealt with yeah. but it's something that they've dealt with and it's it's something that they could have spoke, spoken to and again as, as we said we're not you know we're two straight dudes talking about women's issues in this so we're not really going to go that much into it but in terms of if we take all the gender issues aside in terms of just pure writing and character relationships a lot of the beginning is just sort of setting up Diana and Barbara it's setting up that friendship and it's not it's very weird how they do that divide between them because it's basically here's Barbara who wants to improve her life and have a better life and have people notice her more which is very fair and then it's this point out in the Forbes article like the moment where she's supposed to turn evil is when she beats the guy who was trying to sexually assault her and it's supposed to be played off as like evil in some way right even though that's not at all how it should be, uh, it should seem like that's a, that's a good thing. She should absolutely stand up for herself. And then it's kind of like, why is it then that Diana has to tell her, like, no, you should renounce your wish and go back to being this person who you were before. Meanwhile, I'm this you know gorgeous immortal who with all these superpowers and I just want my boyfriend who's taken over this guy's body. Like, it's the morality of this, as the Forbes article brought up, is kind of skewed, but also I'm just like, I don't like what this says about personal development. I don't like what this says about like, hey, don't work on yourself. You should go back to where you were before you trying to change yourself means that you're trying to be somebody you're not. And I don't like that element at all. I mean, it's because a lot of superheroes are built off of like Batman, especially is a paragon of self-development because he turned himself into this type of person. And maybe that's not what they intended, but that's what it comes across as to me. I I think it's, I think it's just like, 
the cheetah that whenever she's beating that guy up, it could have been better for sure. I I I guess mm-hmm. the way I was initially reading that was, um, you know, she couldn't handle the power she had gotten, or you know what I mean, like. Mm-hmm. She was angry at him, and you know she was about to be raped twice. So, like, you understand it. Um, and it seems like I she mean she ki- was she's the like first she, time. The she second killed, time she, she killed just them. Continued. I yeah. Maybe she did. It seems like she did, but then it's, it's ambiguous. It's ambiguous. It's just a weird way to bring that about, as opposed to her outright killing somebody. You know, where it's and maybe that was the whole point. Was that like. You should, you should have just done what Diana did and knock him down and just go off. But I'm not sure. It's just it's again it's weirdly played where I'm just like I'm not sure what they're trying to say. They're trying to say th- about I, I, where I think it's as simple as they're, they're trying to show that she handles her powers differently. I think that's all that is. Right, but then where does that come from? How, why does she suddenly like lose her morality? You know, they should have they should have set up that she had always had. She, you know what I mean? Like, um, mm-hmm. she, there's there's toxic nerd shit online, and there's like like the ultra conservative like neo Nazi nerds like from 4chan and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe I'm not saying she's a Nazi at all, but I'm saying that like if she's a if she's a nerdy girl like that, like, and and she's always been shot upon by society, maybe she's sort of uh, she's sort of in that realm. Like they should have set up earlier on that she's even though she's nerdy and never looked upon. Maybe it is her fault, but she doesn't notice it, or it's hard right, to explain. Right. Like she, she should have had that kind of evil quirk to begin with, or you know something made yeah, her but made I, her evil I, again, or something. I, I, I don't find know. that less interesting if she's like she's always been bad, that type of thing. Well, I, I'm um, just trying to think of other ways you could handle it. I know, I know, I know. Uh, but to me, it seemed way more emotional to have this be about Wonder Woman and Barbara and have something to say about what path one woman takes and what path cheetah takes that is right. more than just like oh like you got to <laughs> sacrifice your wish when that is also tied into something that is presented as something good for for barbara uh on that there to, to me it's it's weird where it's just like let's set up this relationship between these two women and then suddenly it's just like here's max who diana has no relationship with and is now suddenly the main villain and we get a lot of screen time of him and it just it really just feels like some exec said we can't have a female hero versus a female villain what do you think this is it's It's a literal cat fight to me i mean yeah but i mean (laughs) this a that's wonder woman comics with wonder woman versus cheetah and b like i just i find it somewhat demeaning that she and again i can't speak for i'm not speaking in in terms of on behalf of female representation because i'm not female but in terms of purely from a standpoint of storytelling I'm like it. It feels like you've cheapened somebody who could have been a very interesting villain with a very emotional tie into Diana. So many and things they could have done, man. She's just really reduced to being this one dude's henchman. <laughs> Throw in, <laughs> yeah. you know, if if yeah. you reverse the the genders, right, where it's maybe you know Batman versus Harvey Dent or something, I would still feel the same way. I agree. You know, the fact that it is a female hero versus female villain makes it even more disappointing when you add that factor into it because it's, it's to me it's sad that I can't really point to a good a lot of good female led superhero movies right now there's mainly Wonder Woman 1 and I like Birds of Prey but everything else I'm kind of just like 
Captain Marvel to me was really generic, and this one I just would not recommend. So, well, Captain Marvel I'm was just, generic, but there was no rape scene in it. Well, yes, or rape, <laughs> rape setting at least. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. she, <laughs> you know, unless uh, they just overall, slept in the same bed yeah. and didn't have sex. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> yeah. Not. And I didn't even I didn't even touch that part. I think you covered that well enough, though. I don't really have anything else more to add than what you already said on that. But that's it's still like why did. Why is this so sloppily plotted? Like, why is this not thought through about at all in terms of in terms of thinking about the what you're trying to do or what you're trying to say on that? Like, why why did that have to be an element? You even hired an extra actor for that. Yeah. So yeah. Overall, I'd say a disappointing film to top off. What should be what I mean, not should be, but what was probably a disappointing Christmas for a lot of people, uh, considering this year where you know imagine. And I know a lot of people. There are a lot of people who still liked it, but I mean, this year itself, you know, you get the treat of having this new release movie on HBO Max. You sit down in the at the end of a year that's been very terrible to a lot of people who are laid off and have lost people, yeah. everything like that, and what you see is a mess. Just watch so. the good animated ones, you know. Like, there's what else? What else? <laughs> yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, on a positive note, I thought also a lot of the action was good. I loved, uh, you know, some creative tac- tactical stuff like her grabbing a missile and flying that way grabbing the, the bullet lasso stuff was pretty sweet then yeah. her using it as like a uh, bullet mm-hmm. bullet shield or whatever was cool mm-hmm. uh you know it seems like patty jenkins really loves a goddamn leg sweep she did this in the first wonder woman <laughs> i think like she loves yeah. wonder woman doing leg sweeps um mm-hmm. it's still cool like action sequences mostly good honestly like mm-hmm. just the action in and of themselves you know um and like I said, like all the all the actors were good, you know. The uh, you know Gal Gadot's good, Wig is great, and Pe- I thought Pedro. Uh, you didn't like him, but I thought he was pretty good. I, I don't know. I it just didn't bother me all that much. Um, and again, I don't hate Pedro. Yeah, you know? yeah. I just didn't think his. This is not like one of the big performances. I like him in Mandalorian. In this, I wasn't expecting him to be Mandalorian as a bad guy or anything like that. Some people say, like, you go into these things with too high expectations or expectations of what you want the movie to be. And I'm like, no, I go in just expecting something good. And I don't think I got that. Uh, I just, you just can't, it's it's a fatal error to have the hero rape somebody. <laughs> You're still. <laughs> I can't, no, I, mean, I, I cannot agree. Not I, I, get over I completely it. agree with you. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Again, uh, Zod was destroying the entire fucking world. You could, I know, like, I know. S- I know. Snyder had better judgment than this. It's ugly. That's all I can say about that, uh, yeah. that element. It's 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 ugly and un- and completely unnecessary, which is why it makes it such a shame. And again, we love the first movie. Yeah, I want more Wonder Woman movies. I want one more Wonder Woman movies with Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins and more of the villains like Cheetah and Veronica Kale and all those characters. But I, this is to me, I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, we did have a poll on social media. As in, as of this recording, uh, as you could expect, it was pretty interesting. So, Instagram, forty seven percent voted liked it, fifty three percent voted hated it. Uh, I only had two options on that, so it could only be like <laughs> and hate uh, on that. So that's yeah. that's down to the Instagram. That's not down to me saying it could only be those two. Um, yeah, yeah. Twitter poll had it was even more interesting, considering it's Twitter. Uh, but 17% said I hated it, 33% said liked it, and 50% said it was okay. 
So, again, like I would, I was kind of expecting more on the negative side, just given how much Twitter has been kind of not been thrilled with this. Yeah, but we'll see. Um, you know, it's it's just funny. Like a lot of people aren't noticing the the rape scene that much. I feel like, mm-hmm. but there's still outrage about it, and I just don't know why. If it's not the rape thing, and if it's not the 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 anti Arab stuff that I don't want to get into right now, like why is there outrage about it? You know, like I feel like it's mm-hmm. just so it was so if it's not that stuff, so it was then it's just like a kind of like poorly written, uh, you know, superhero movie. Why 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 such vitriol? Right. You know, I I think it's. Uh, some of that might be a little bit people are just so used to the Marvel thing but then but Marvel's just so like mm. you can rely on most of most of their movies and and also again like I'd I say the know. first wonder I'd say the first Wonder Woman is less Marvel like than this one right 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 you know, I know this one has more humor and more cheesiness and more magic shit you know like that's this one, if anything this one is more Marvel than a lot of the Marvel movies so it felt a little bit like Don or Superman too, in a sense at times. It's mainly in the beginning, to yeah. me, mainly in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but also, the Don or Superman era was pretty much the only superhero movies you were getting in the '80s. So it kind of makes oh, sense yeah. that uh, yeah. if you're going to evoke '80s superhero movies, those are the ones to evoke because there weren't a lot at the time. There was that, and then '89 at the very end, which kind of just feels more '90s-ish at this point. Yeah. So. <sighs> I wish I wish I could have been ecstatic about this. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree, and it, I again, wrestle. I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it does come down to what I was saying. With like, it's twenty twenty, it's you're trying to settle down for Christmas at a holiday there where you're more used to being more connected to people, and this is what you get. Like even you know you had a lot of industry professionals talking about this. Diedrich Bader, the voice of Batman and Batman the Brave and the Bold, and um, Harley Quinn even tweeted about it, being like, "Wonder Woman one is like one of my favorite superhero movies." I don't know what the hell I just watched. Is, oh, was, really? Was his tweet on this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, it's it's that's, not just that's great, you know, actually fanboys. It's not just fanboys. It's it's a lot of people. And sure, again, this movie has a lot of people who liked it, and there's probably a lot of people who are part of our audience listening to this now who might not be too happy with me. But whatever, this is my podcast, and well, our podcast. <laughs> but still, uh, yeah. But I mean, again, we treat everybody fairly and I still we're still going to do this deep dive we're still going to go into all the different combo connections and I'm still going to bring up stuff I did like I know it seems like I hated the whole thing but there were things that I did like and uh, we're gonna we're just gonna treat this like we treated all the others because that's just what we do on the show swear this is not a review episode swear yes (laughs) we swear it's not but uh, we thought we might as well take a break right now before we jump into the big information and we'll come back after the break with the combo connections and the deep dive into the movie. Stay tuned. Spaceships. Magic swords. Intergalactic empires. Dead gods. And creatures from beyond the moon. What mad universe could contain all these fantastic visions? What mad universe is a bi-weekly podcast delving into the misty origins of sci-fi and fantasy, pop culture and genre tropes. Take a cosmic trip on What Mad Universe Podcast. On the Greenlit Podcast Network. <laughs> Robin, come forward. Okay. It is time for your initiation. 
Okay. That's why I have the candle. Oh, okay. It's a little weird, but all right. Raise your hand. Mm, okay. Okay, good. Repeat after me. Mm-hmm. I. I. Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. Defeat all evil and corruption in the beloved Gotham City. To throw all criminals into Arkham Asylum. After brutally, brutally beating them within an inch to their lives, including breaking all of their bones and making them beg for their mothers. I d- promise to defeat the bad guys and all that That's other stuff. That's not what I said. You said, and, um, you Robin, know. Robin, you know there's going to be a quiz on this. Repeat after you, and then, um, you know. I mean, Robin, I, I don't much, think I you're got, taking this seriously. I swear, Dick Grayson. This is me. a solemn vow. You must be able to memorize this. Uh, I have a good memory but there's a limit i tell you that much dick i question how seriously you're taking this job that's like the itunes agreement i'm just going straight past and clicking okay agree that's me with your code of uh of conduct or what you just you just agree to whatever itunes gives you i mean doesn't everybody no i give it to alfred to read that's that's butler abuse man that's too much i shouldn't be you shouldn't be doing that alfred doesn't want to read that shit I think Alfred probably just skips through it, too, and just tells you he read it. That's my detective skills. I'll tell you that Wait much. a minute. You might be right. Alfred, get in here. Yes, sir. Right away. You rang? Alfred, do you actually just skip to the end of the iTunes agreements and click, I agree? Well, I... Now that you've cornered me here, Bruce, uh, uh, yes, I just scroll down it. I don't have time for that. I, I just scroll straight down while drinking some... Some tea and having some crumpets and uh, <clears throat> some vichyssoise, as you do. And uh, I just click it and just, you know, it's usually fine. Alfred, why are you not thinking about the Batcave security? Now Steve Jobs is act Well, Steve Jobs is dead, but Apple has access to the Batcave because you decided to just skip through the terms and conditions of iTunes. Well, I, I don't really know why you have it want to install on the Bat computer anyway. But, I need uh, to listen to music and some sweet tunes while I'm looking through forensics. Your music is a bit, uh, old-fashioned, even for me. I've seen what you work out to. It's, uh, it's, it's weird. Yeah, that's weird, man. Um, you know, anyway, yeah, I mean, I clicked agree to yes. I said yes, hey, my hand's still up. I want to put my hand, can I put my hand down? Fine, you can put your hand down. Oh, Let me. okay, finally. I swear to be Robin. Kick ass. That's me. You see, the boy, he has agreed to your crusade, and this candle, it's already burned to the wick. Fine. I'm just going to bench press to Ray Charles. Okay, I'm going to have my, my, I'm going to work out with you, but I'm going to have my AirPods in and listen to some techno beats. <laughs> and I shall go finish my vichy and listen to my heavy metal. <laughs> All right, everybody, if you like that sketch right there, we have that plus news, plus we're bringing back some opinion pieces and uh, review-type stuff and all kinds of stuff in our $5 tier on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash superherostuffpod, and if you become part of the $5 tier, you can see these new bonus episodes. Basically, consider it Superhouse DLC. Oh, this is Bane. 
And you're listening to superhero stuff you should know. When this episode is ashes, then you have my permission to die. All right, we're back, and we're finally here to talk about the movie in a deep dive sense and not in a review sense. Yes, so, the, the actual deep dive is coming now. Thank you, Ben. Well, though we still will talk about our opinions on different things. So just in a nice reversal from all my negative comments in the first half, I will say one of the best parts of this movie is this opening sequence on the mascara. Yeah. I don't know how you thought about it, but I thought it was... Good. I thought... This was where I was just like, okay, I'm so glad I'm watching this. Love like, this that baby. This is where I was preparing. Uh, that baby. <laughs> Love that wonder baby. So I was thought I was thinking that maybe this was a different actress from the young eight-year-old Diana in the first movie, and it turns out it's not. It's same, the same actress. Same girl. <laughs> That's great. Same baby Wonder Woman. It's, it's Lily, little wonder baby. Her name is Lily Aspel. Yeah, <laughs> she played eight-year-old Diana in the first one and now she's like 12 or so and she gets to play her a little bit growing up if Patty Jenkins does manage to do a third movie I wouldn't be surprised if it also has another opening sequence with a more grown up Lily Aspel to just sort of complete the loop over here so I thought that was really cool and according to Patty Jenkins a lot of the stunts that you see her do were actually done by Lily herself which you know makes sense considering the fact that she's a child and it'd be very tough to have a stunt double child. You know what I mean? So to have somebody who's already talented, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Comic book connection wise, this the mascara competition part is actually inspired by wonder woman's first story in all star comics. Number eight, where there was a sort of Olympic competition among the Amazonians on the mascara. There was a different context for it. But when I first saw this aspect in the trailer, this is the first thing I immediately thought of was like, Oh, that's, that's right from the original story. Oh Uh, shit. In that story, Steve Trevor arrives on the island, and part of the plot was that the Amazonians did a competition to determine who was the best warrior to join Steve Trevor and, and leave the island and, and help the fight and things like that. And obviously, that didn't happen in the movie, so it seems like they're trying to still do a version of that here, okay, just with a new context. Uh, in the comic, Diana actually disguises herself in a mask so that she can compete and beat out all the other fighters uh, before she reveals herself to her mom and, and wins the competition. Okay. Uh, so very different for what actually happens here. Uh, I've seen some critiques on, you know, was this even necessary to have this really huge expensive sequence of Mascara because it doesn't really tie in that much plot-wise with I everything else. I don't think else. it does, does it? Not really. There's, I think they're trying to do the theme of, like, the truth will set you free. You can't do shortcuts, which is kind of ties into the whole wish thing. You know, at the end, I guess it does, yeah. But but it's, it's still a little not great. muddled. Yeah, it's a little muddled. It's a fantastic sequence, um, but it's also you could cut it, and the rest of the movie is still would have been the same. Still makes sense, you know, yeah. It still makes sense. It's kind of like how I feel about the uh, the bank robbery sequence at the beginning of the Dark Knight. It's a fantastic sequence. If you cut it, you don't really lose anything story wise. Yeah, on that you yeah. already kind of know the Joker is going to be hitting you know, up the different mobs and stuff to to the people talking about it later. So uh, apparently Warner Brothers wanted Patty Jenkins to either cut that sequence or the mall sequence. They said there's this movie has two different openings. You have to cut one of them. Right. And they fought, basically Patty Jenkins fought back against that. And we got both sequences. So personally, I think that the Themyscira one is a lot better than the mall one. But, you know, it- at least we got... Something. It being in the it, mall, it does seem like we weird. got an extended cut. They just, yeah, like the, like eighties. I, I know, like especially since like the last Stranger Things, like 
there's such an association with with the mall in '80s, and I know that's when mall became kind of like prime time for everybody. But um, they're putting like priceless artifacts in some antique shop in a mall. It's just yeah. I don't know. Maybe it kind of flies under the radar that way, but it just something was a. They just chose the mall for. I don't know. It just feels like she nostalgia. just kind of, yeah, she just kind of swooped into a Stranger Things-like setting because that's what people associate with the 80s, which, again, I was like, I don't know why this had to be the 80s. It doesn't have to be at all. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. You know, even Captain Marvel being set in the 90s kind of made sense because it was supposed to take place way back then. But this one, I'm like, eh. They have a more established like universe. Like, right now, you have like that too. no real connected DCU anymore, so... You know, again, mm-hmm. there's just no real reason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when we get to the year 1984, Pedro Pascal debuts in Max Lord's infomercial, which was apparently done on his first day on set. Okay. Uh, which makes sense. Maybe they shot chronologically. I'm not really sure. But uh, th- one funny fact, and a lot of people point this out, Pedro Pascal has been in a previous Wonder Woman adaptation before this. What? In a completely different character. In 2011, David E. Kelly tried to do a Wonder Woman pilot he tried to do one that? show on nbc with adrian palicki as diana and pedro pascal plays her commissioner gordon a police liaison named ed indelicato who is a comic book character so wow. in 2011 pedro pascal is basically you know a tv starting out as a tv actor and is in this pilot that doesn't go anywhere and then just imagine being cast as the main villain in the major Wonder Woman movie about nine years later. And also, it's a hell of a trajectory. And like Game of Thrones, very, very loose connection, but he's oh, yeah, sort too. of a that feminist too. hero in that. <laughs> sort of. I mean, mm, yeah. he's fighting He's fighting for women in his family, I believe, his sister mm-hmm. or something. And right. I remember people talking about that, but it's just... so I'm just throwing shit out there, Ben. Cool, it's kind of a cool fact, though, about him. Um <clears throat> The opening was deliberately evoking the Christopher Reeve Superman films, as we talked about. Okay. Uh, and again, that's mainly because the main superhero films of the 80s were the Chris Reeve movies. Superman oh, 2 yeah. through 4 yeah. and Supergirl were all done in the 80s. Batman 1989 is the outlier out of those. Right, right, right. Uh, plus, they didn't really have any scenes of Batman in daylight in the 89 movie anyway. So, it makes sense. Yeah, that's uh, right. Patty There's Jenkins, not many. Yeah, Patty Jenkins is a huge fan of the first Superman movie, which we did a five-part deep dive on, so check that out, guys, if you <laughs> if haven't you already. didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> we might have a lot of newcomers on this. Who knows? That's true. Um, that's true. She she felt that, quote, It's not always about Superman, rape. Yeah. It's the only time ever it has been. Again, I can't I can't believe that this is the first thing we have to talk about on about <laughs> this movie. I was not expecting to pop in Wonder Woman 1984 on HBO Max on Christmas Day and have this as an element for us to talk about on this podcast. <laughs> Dude, they made Joker, Aquaman, Shazam, Birds of Prey. DC on a roll. Wonder Woman yeah. 1, you know, like... Wonder Woman 1, yeah. It's just, just like, you know, we, it was about to get to that point where it's like, are, why should we be make, making fun of DC movies? We have so many good ones here, yeah. you know, and, and, then, and then this happened. But anyway, sorry, I derailed it. Let's get uh, back on track. Pat- Patty Jenkins said that she, quote, I think Superman wrote the book on what a hero can inspire in children. I really care about doing that, too. I love so many Superman, I mean, superhero films, but ones for the kids feel super important to me. So, you know, I think I appreciate that sentiment. Even if I'm not a huge fan of this movie, I still appreciate that sentiment and that intention. Right. um, On that 
it's uh, Wonder Woman is operating in Washington DC which is actually not unusual at all for the character she's resided there several times it's just not as synonymous with her as you know Metropolis is for Superman or Gotham is for Batman they talk but about a Wonder of, Woman being like a diplomat of sorts uh, yeah which you would think would have her in like New York for the United Nations but you know for a fair period of time she was you know working you know dealing with the Air Force and stuff like that and, and the Linda Carter TV show I believe so it kind of makes sense that she would be in an area where there's a lot of government and government officials yeah, um, and a lot of symbolism of patriotism in America uh, during that time right uh, during the mall sequence there is a jewelry store this is according to denofgeek.com uh, but the jewelry store is named Kozlov Jewels and apparently the name Kozlov is a character in uh, a lot of the different comics. There was a Colonel Kozlov who fought Superman and Batman in uh, 1970s. And uh, he was sort of the military leader of a fictional country. Uh, but there's also a Kozlov who was the former boxing opponent to uh, Wildcat. So it's in, the one, uh, the the one Russian in this movie. Yeah, is the name of the jewelry <laughs> store. <laughs> so uh, connection. There... One of the sort of sweet moments, I think, of the mall thing, I think I think the best part of the mall sequence is almost has nothing to do with the action, but is the little girl in the glasses who just looks at... Yeah. Like she puts the wonder in Wonder Woman in terms of how she sees her and sees basically this powerful female figure taking down these guys and, you know, with the with the wows and everything, and she's an adorable, you know, little girl. Yeah, I don't have no problem um, with that. Uh, in the credits, she's identified as Courtney as well as in the closed captions. But people on Twitter have connected her to a very similar-looking character in 2017 named Peony McGill, uh, alias Star Blossom, created by Gail Simone and Colleen Duran, who showed up in Wonder Woman's uh, 75th anniversary special in 2017. Uh, her alias is Star Blossom because she has the ability to control plants. She's kind of like a good poison ivy. Okay. She looks very similar to... Um, how Courtney looks like in the movie. So okay. we'll see uh, if that pays off. But keep in mind that since this is in the 80s, who knows how old that character is going to be if Wonder Woman 3 is in present day. So A little bit older than uh, us. Well, Yes, pretty much. Yeah. Um, Wonder Woman disabling the cameras was pretty cool with her tiara. Yeah. Uh, and that's obviously a reference to the fact how in continuity, Wonder Woman isn't supposed to be known or in the spotlight until her return through Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Justice League. During right. this. So they're trying to keep the timeline intact, which again, I'm like, if you did, if you set this in 2020, where it was after all that stuff, you wouldn't have to do all this stuff. So, right. oh well. Yeah, don't they don't, they don't, they're not really connecting anymore anyway, are they? I thought DC kind of gave up on that. Mm, I think it still is somewhat connected if it's not Joker or the Batman. Like it's, it okay. still feels like continuity wise, it could still work. It's just up to you which version of Justice League you want to pick uh, at this point. That's the other thing. Like, uh, okay, anyway, there's now more than one Justice League. Yeah. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, I don't remember her using her tiara as a weapon in the previous. I don't uh, think she Wonder did. Woman movie or Batman v Superman or Justice League, the the one that we saw. But correct us if we're wrong. Uh, in the comments we'll probably find out as well because we're going to be revisiting a lot of these movies this year anyway uh, but this movie with the tr is one that Wonder Woman has done in the comics as well um, let's see there's some great easter eggs in her apartment for fans of the first movie including and I'm sure you've heard about these the photos of the characters her team in the first movie including Etta Candy 
Um, oh, yeah. I I mean, I, I don't know much about this, but I saw a little bit of that, yeah. Right, right. So Patty Jenkins brought up how it's this is meant to be her team from the first movie, uh, but you can see them age and one by one are disappearing from the photos, leaving Diana all alone in the end. Uh, so that's conveyed there. There's also a shot of Wonder Woman in front of uh, what looks like Trevor Ranch. And I was wondering if Diana had visited Steve's family. Uh, and Patty Jenkins confirmed this on Twitter. She said, quote, when Diana moved to the U.S. and all her friends were now long gone, she went and visited Steve's family's ranch where he'd grown up. All she has left are those memories. Okay. So uh, pretty bittersweet. Again, very nice uh, economic storytelling, I think, to use those to say like here's what's kind of happened during that time and this is why Wonder Woman's in this current state of feeling lonely and having seen all her friends die over the past few years just from old age you know there's an aged up version of Etta Candy in a shot with Wonder Woman and I'm pretty sure they CG aged up uh, the actress Lucy Davis who played Etta right uh, in that uh, and she made a comment on that on Twitter that she's now going to use that as her uh, online dating profile picture. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, that's funny. Uh, but yeah. So again, this is all the stuff I'm covering is when I was completely with this movie. I'm like, this seems cool. I'm enjoying this. Let's see how they set things up. So one of the next things, next elements they set up is Kristen Wiig as Barbara and Minerva. And yeah. uh, this, her appearance is kind of, to be fair, you know, it, it was stuff that we knew before going in, but. Uh, people have started criticizing this trope of, and including um, our, our one of our big fans who we shout out to every time, uh, Matt Herring. Yes. Uh, has brought that up. He hated that the uh, most, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of the klutzy genius in the glasses who, you know, just, you know, once the glasses come off, they become all sexy, but also like a supervillain type of thing. And that's a trope that we've seen with, you know, Jim Carrey's Edward Nigma in Batman Forever. I mean, even before that, it was Michelle Pfeiffer. In Cat, as Catwoman uh, then Uma Thurman in Batman and Robin uh, we also got that with Guy Pierce's Aldra Killian in Iron Man 3 we got that with Jamie Foxx's Electro in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 and I think oh, that one was not good man I think there's an ad again this is another thing where it's just like beforehand it was it was a trope already when it was a dude but when it's beca- when it's a, a female character and again not somebody who can speak for the female you know for female representation because i lack a certain chromosome for that but <laughs> from my perspective it seems like when you do that from a female character you're now running into the standard trope of oh, like, she's the nerdy girl nobody looks at because she's got glasses and a ponytail. And then once she takes the thing off and takes off the glasses, suddenly she's hot. And that's just not really how it works in reality. I'm going to play devil's advocate here a little bit. Right. There's, they, yeah, it's hard to do this without saying it in a movie and stuff, but Mm -hmm. I sort of can basically let that slide because um, there's something about, you know, sort of a pun but like animal attraction so yes she's she's taken off her glasses and stuff but there's also the way she's she's starting to carry herself differently as well and maybe she's got strong maybe she's got stronger pheromones or something you know what i mean like it's not just maybe. like the makeover yeah. scene in the in the 90s uh <laughs> remember like back in the 90s they just take the girl's glasses oh, yeah, off yeah. it's like exactly it's well, that's, that's what I'm, like i that's, don't that's i don't I'm think saying. it's that though like she's got a full-on like the dreamstone is starting to work mm-hmm. so she's got a full-on like internal change as well she's got super strength mm-hmm. already so 
I don't know. I I'm sort just saying of, it's a form of see, that. I'm it's a form you, of that teen thing. I can forgive so much, Ben. <laughs> so much. And to me personally, it doesn't necessarily it like it doesn't bother me the way it bothered Matt Herring or a lot of people on yeah. Twitter. If it bothers me from any standpoint, it's more from just an originality standpoint. And again, I can't because I, I I can't speak for the female population on that. But I, I I feel like the reason why there might be more outrage about this is because of that. Is because of the fact that that is already such a cliche for female characters and nerdy female characters being you know represented in that way, uh, especially in this genre. She so. could have had like you know something about. Um God, I can't, it's hard for us to get away from this movie, but like mm. they like something a little bit more like she's she obviously looks pretty good already, right? I mean, at least mm. I think so. And mm-hmm. maybe it's like she thinks she can't get a guy, but she can. She just her self esteem so low she doesn't notice other guys actually do like her or something. You know, there was something they could do right. Do. And but, then I'm also hesitant about how much of that character should be about getting with a guy. Yeah, then it's then it doesn't doesn't pass the Bechtel test, but it's a whole well, other just, deal. Just besides that, you know, like it's just if we're talking again, like I, I don't want to seem like I'm speaking for everybody on this. We're gonna but make for this disclaimer for the whole episode. Yeah, right yeah, now. I know, I know. We are not I know, I know. speaking for women. Please, please, we just don't have any women on the show hardly ever, which is bad. But, I know we should probably fix that. It, but if we talk about. If we're using the other versions of this trope with Edward Enigma, with Jamie Foxx's character, with Guy Pearce's character in Iron Man 3, they never wanted to be noticed more by women. It was never about that. Their entire arc wasn't centered along the lines of trying to catch the attention of the other sex. It was all about what they personally wanted regardless of having, you know, more sex with somebody on the other side. To, To... and I and I get that it wasn't in this version. It wasn't all about that because she meets Max after she makes that wish. Yeah, yeah. But so much of what she does after she makes that wish in meeting Max is sort of centered, is weirdly centered around Max. And as we'll talk about later, I just find that relationship between the two of them to be very weird and unclear because it seems like they really like each other. Seems like he takes advantage of her to get that rock, but then it also seems like she completely forgives him for it, doesn't talk to him for, like, half the movie, doesn't seem to expect to talk to him for half the movie, then randomly shows up to save him at the White House. Again, it is not very clear what the relationship dynamic is supposed to be between these two, and I, I dislike... No, she she wants to save him because she realizes that. that he is the stone. I think she gets told that. She uh, so she's saving yes, she's saving him for her I, own... Cause she, does, she wants to keep her power... Again, I understand that, but then there's also the element of, like, they knew each other, and it seemed like they were starting something in the beginning, and that completely gets, just disappears Yeah, throughout it. Yeah, and it's yeah. just weird to me that, that that they would set that up so much and then not, like, do away with it in the first place. Um, <sighs> Could have been better. Anyway. Back to the deep dive. Uh, I don't, I'm Barbara, sorry to derail this all the time. <laughs> Barbara is actually the third version of Cheetah in the comics. Uh, there are previous cheetahs beforehand. So the previous ones are Priscilla Rich and her niece Deborah Domain. And there's even her a male cheetah. Her niece is also a cheetah? Yeah, her, her niece is also a cheetah. Uh, and there's even a male cheetah who came out after Barbara named Sebastian Balestreros. I think I pronounced that correctly. I read the first, uh, I read Wonder Woman 6 in which she uh, appears. 
Okay. The Priscilla Rich. The Priscilla so Rich. You, you want to hear a little bit about this? My mini. Sure, yeah. My, this is a mini deep dive within <laughs> the larger deep Go dive. Ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Um. Just really quick. She she like gets the the costume from like a rug or something. Like it's not. It's just like again, we're talking like forties or something. It's just mm-hmm. kind of bare bones compared to what you'd see today. Um, so there's the way she gets the costume is kind of silly. First, in the first one, she's this is the first instance of her. She she dresses up as Cheetah and she's going to go kill Diana, and mm-hmm. Diana's sleeping in full costume, of course. <laughs> she got a <laughs> as she does. She got a not. She's got a knife. Mm-hmm. Straight up, just gonna murder her. And, <laughs> you know, she walks up to her. And she's got the knife right next to her chest, and she's like, "Oh, that's too good for her," or something like that. And then she's like, "I'll, I'll have to make her suffer first, or something like that." You know what I mean? We can't. Okay, why does she want to kill Wonder Woman? I, I can't remember exactly. Well, <laughs> it's, in, it's inferiority complex. That was the interesting thing. That's kind of written into ah. the DNA of Cheetah. I have ah. here uh, some info on that too. Um, so I want to read you. This is the beginning. Uh, about Cheetah, okay? Okay. There is nothing. This is the beginning. This is the beginning of the comic. <laughs> In the old okay. old style comics, they had like a paragraph. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> there is nothing so dangerous in the whole world as the vicious hatred of a personal enemy, and there is no enemy so eager to inflict pain as a man or woman who feels himself your inferior. Wonder Woman unknowingly rouses the insatiable hatred of such a foe, the cheetah, relentlessly, this svelte siren, changing like Jekyll and Hyde from aristocratic beauty to modern Medusa, pursues the lovely Amazon maiden. No human, save Wonder Woman, beautiful as Aphrodite, wise as Athena, stronger than Hercules, and swifter than Mercury, would dare defy the mystifying cheetah. Fight her girl to girl and strive to conquer her on grounds of the cheetah's own choosing. Never before was the valiant princess from Paradise Island fought any foe so elusive as the millionaireess with dual personality in this tale of Wonder Woman and Cheetah. (laughs) So I do like there's an element of the inferiority complex in that because of the fact that a a lot of what we saw in this is due to her feeling inferior to Diana and wanting to be like Diana. Yeah. Uh, on that. So I, I I get that element. Um and again, like if we're talking about equal representation here, you know, not every male-led story talks about the male condition. So No. I'm not that's saying true. that this absolutely had to be about the female condition. Yeah, stuff, I take but, back some of that what I said. <laughs> <laughs> but also another standpoint if you're trying to go for the first female superhero against the female first female supervillain uh, since '84 Supergirl, because I think that's the last time we ever had something like that, except for maybe Catwoman, where it was Holly Berry versus Sheriff Stone. Doesn't count. Um, <laughs> um, it's especially in this day and age. It's I think it's more interesting if it has that element that you're talking about, or at least some sort of thematic element that might not be specific to the, you know, what it's like to be a woman in 1984 or 2020, but something specific about the human condition. And again, thematically, I just felt like it didn't really gel to me uh, on it based off of 
the way they portrayed Cheetah's transformation. You can, yeah, they could have had like you know make make more people root for Cheetah because it's like oh you're a god. At least mm-hmm. I was a human at one point. You know what were you made from clay? You know I don't know. It yeah. could have been could have been some shit like that, but. What were you trained to farm? Yeah, 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 yeah. From Man of Steel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it could have been, since like going back to the deep dive, the inferiority thing being part of Cheetah's DNA, seemingly mm-hmm. that that yeah. whole thing could have been. You know, they could have gone into that more. Yeah, going into rivalries. Yeah. You know, on the character from one to from one to the other. Like, there's a lot more you could dive into outside of like. Oh, you want to stop Max, but I want to protect Max, and that's it. You know, right? <coughs> okay. Uh, Barbara Minerva is actually the first cheetah, though, to actually become like a human cheetah, which is probably yeah, why she's they just wearing a suit in the in, in the one <laughs> in the Priscilla Rich one, which is hilarious. Priscilla Rich great. and and Deborah Domain did the same. It looks uh, a little so bit were... like a Catwoman, but cheetah, because she's got like yeah, a little exactly. like bonnet head thing going on, mm-hmm. and. Yeah. Uh, so what's, what was confusing, because Andrew and I were talking about this in prep for the episode, but Sheeta's first appearance as Priscilla Whit- Rich was Wonder Woman number six in the 40s. But Barbara's first appearance in post-crisis is Wonder Woman number seven <laughs> post-crisis in, 19, in the 1980s, which just goes to show how inaccessible comics can be to people these days. It's rough. Where it's just like, oh, you just got to read Co- Wonder Woman number seven. Oh, which one? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then you add in Rebirth into it, just fucking forget it. Uh, so Barbara <laughs> 52. was, yeah. Barbara was created by Len Wein, the creator of Wolverine, among other things. Oh shit! Uh, and, okay. And uh, George Perez in 1987. And there's a lot of differences. There's a lot of differences between Barbara in the comic versus what we saw in the movie. Uh, first off, she is not a nerdy American scientist at the Smithsonian, but is a British heiress yeah. in Nottingham, England. Okay. Uh, and she has an African servant named Chuma, and I'm glad that was not carried over. That, uh, <laughs> that's pretty bad. Okay. Um, she There's no wishing stone in this version. She drinks a potion that comes from a plant, uh, and there's some sort of blood ritual that comes with it, and she isn't friends with Wonder Woman in this version, at least in the 80s version. She's, she's immediately, is already Cheetah, finds out that Wonder Woman has this lasso, and she wants that lasso, and that's that's pretty much the main story of uh, Wonder Woman 7 through 9 in uh, in her first appearance as Barbara Minerva. So yeah, very different in that I do like what the movie was intending to do. Uh, I say intending to do as opposed to what it did, but intending to make it more about this friendship between them and breaking it apart and, and trying to say something about that as opposed to her already being evil, already wanting something out of Diana, like all those elements that are in the original comic. Right. So I do kind of prefer what they were trying to do here. Uh, the original Cheetah, the Priscilla Rich version, was in Super Friends as part of the Legion of Doom. However, the, the Barbara and Minerva Cheetah is the most popular because she has been in countless other media. I was amazed at how much she's shown up over the years that I just, yeah, she's in maybe just didn't notice. Yeah, um, she's in the Justice League and Justice League United animated series voiced by Cheryl Lee Ralph, most famous for flirting with Batman who even kisses her in the two-parter Injustice for All. Uh, so oh, shit. that's what I remembered her from. Uh, she was also in the Brave and the Bold as a sort of mix between the Priscilla Rich version, where she looked like her, but she was also said to be Barbara at the same time, uh, voiced by Marina Baccarin, who, of course, is uh, one of the greats because she's in everything from Deadpool to Gotham to Firefly, yeah, all those things. 
Um, she's in DC Superhero Girls, both the web series, voiced by Ashley Eckstein, who is most famous for voicing Ahsoka Tano in Star Wars. I always forget um, DC Superhero Girls exists, and I've actually yeah. seen the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> you got no excuse. I really uh, have then, <laughs> watched it just to see what it was about. <laughs> uh, she was in the TV show version of DC Superhero Girls as well, voiced by Tara Strong, who also voices Harley Quinn in a lot of things these days. Um, she's voiced by Claudia Black in Justice League Doom, uh, Erica Luttrell in JLA Adventures Trapped in Time, as well as the video games Lego Batman 3 and Lego DC Supervillains. Uh, she was in Batman Unlimited Animal Instincts, voiced by Laura Bailey, who was also Catwoman in the Telltale Batman series. <sighs> she was also in uh, Lego DC Su- Comics Superheroes Justice League Attack of the Legion of Doom. That's a hell of a title. Uh, voiced by Cree Summer. Uh, she co-starred with the Rosario Dawson voice Wonder Woman in the uh, DC animated movie universe movie Wonder Woman Bloodlines voiced by Kimberly Brooks who also was Kathy Duquesne in the Mystery of the Batwoman movie uh, and then she makes a whole bunch of unspoken cameos in a shit ton of other animated things uh, I've counted the 2009 animated Wonder Woman movie Justice League New Frontier Superman Batman Public Enemies Batman Unlimited again Mechs vs. Mutants uh, Justice League vs. Teen Titans, The Death of Superman, Justice League Dark, Apocalypse War, and the one movie that we've covered on this podcast uh, out of these, Batman, A Death of the Family, which we saw together, uh, where she gets shot to death by Jason Todd either when he's Hush or when he's Red Robin. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot she was in that, honestly. <laughs> but the fact that she's in so much in Wonder Woman media and Justice League media, it just mystifies me that her character gets completely sidelined in this it's, like this could have been such a great yeah. debut she's she's like her joker you know that's what i was mm-hmm. led to believe you know i mean i've only seen her in a few other things but uh i love uh, that's one of the things that's really great about comics is like everybody's got their joker in a sense their top mm-hmm. villain you know lex luthor mm-hmm. sinestro whatever um yeah so it's cool that she has hers and it's just there must have been something that really worked in the comics. There must have been some, you know what I mean? Like they, they, they put a bunch of bullshit out there for like 70, 80, 80 years. And like <laughs> some of these things stick, some don't. And that's mm-hmm. one that definitely did. So there's just some, there's something about it. Maybe it's just the look. I don't know. I think there's also an element of at the end of the day, Cheetah is still mortal. Yeah. You know, and it's sort of the, the whole mortal versus God dynamic that you also get with Lex Luthor and uh, Superman in that uh, you kind of have somebody who can still hurt you even if they're not completely in your power set. Right. So it could be that as well. Uh, on that, again, I'm not 100% completely well-versed in the comics, uh, and a lot of my feelings on the movie have less to do with whether it matches the comics and more to do with whether or not they just did the relationship well or did the dynamic between yeah. them well. Uh, obviously, Diana's cheetah prints, print heels are foreshadowing to Barbara becoming cheetah yeah. uh, on this, which is okay, I think. Um, costume designer Lindy Hemming said that they originally were thinking of having Barbara wear some of the cheetah uh, type of clothes earlier on, but ended up just decided to saving it until the sequence where they're at the White House. So yeah. uh, that's... <clears throat> That's interesting. Um, a little funny Easter egg is at one point Barbara visits the homeless guy, Leon. Yeah. And uh, the book he's reading is the play Waiting for Godot, which, of course, is an in-joke because <laughs> we have Gal Godot. Um, Godot for in the play is spelled G-O-D-O-T and can be... That's hilarious. People, people say that 
they're saying that they're waiting for God, uh, since it's G-O-D-O-T. But Gal Gadot spells it with an A, G-A-D-O-T. But that's a deliberate in-joke uh, that was pointed out on Twitter. That's pretty funny, uh, though. That you can find on Patty Jenkins' Twitter feed. Uh, and then I think we'll, we'll end this deep dive for this week on uh, the main villain, Maxwell Lord. So Maxwell Lord is also a comic book character. He was created by Keith Giffen, J.M. DeMathias, and Kevin McGuire. Also debuted in 1987, like Barbara did. So it makes me kind of wonder why wasn't this Wonder Woman 1987, but whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, should have been. Was, he was originally a guy, a good guy, kind of, who starts up the Justice League International. And, okay. And uh, he helps fund them and is kind of uh, sort of their manager and stuff. But then it turns out that he did that because he was under control, under control by some other machine or whatever. It's complicated, but a lot of times he's he's gone between being good guy and, and bad guy. And I think the reason why he was chosen for this was because he and Wonder Woman have a big moment in the storyline crossover, the OMAC project. Yeah. Uh, so we'll get into that when we get closer to the ending of the movie. But uh, let's see. Pedro Pascal uh, said his performance was inspired by Michael Douglas as Gordon Gecko and Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor in uh, the Superman movies. Interesting. And like Hackman, and like Hackman, Pedro shaved his mustache. Check out the deep dive on <laughs> the Superman movie to find out the story behind that. Um, <clears throat> again, to me, I didn't find the performance or the character to work very much for me. He comes off already very sleazy and sinister. And then they're just like, wait, no, he's not sinister yet. He's sympathetic because he's got a kid. But then, you know, he's still a weird creep who's not following through on his investors' contributions and hits on Barbara just so he can use her and get the stone. Is he... I'm like, is he a sleazy rich dude? Is he... Is he a dude who had humble beginnings? It seemed like there was a potential Trump connection, but then he's not Trump because he's a poor Latino dude. Like, there's all... It's just right. all over the place, in my opinion, on what they're trying to do. I do kind of like that they changed Max a little bit to acknowledge Pedro Pascal's ethnicity, saying that his original name was Maxwell Lorazano and, and having those flashbacks to him growing up as, as an immigrant and being made fun of. Yeah, uh, and TV all that. personality so I, I, name. I, I, it's that, that's fine. Make perfect yeah, perfect yeah. sense. I, yeah, I, th- I think that I think that was great. Um, it's just to me when he shows up at the museum and meets Barbara, that's when the movie just starts falling apart for me. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, going w- into comic book connections, I want to put in Sorry, a little ahead. mini uh, bef- before you go to comic book connections. Going back to the first uh, Wonder Woman six, there's a panel. <laughs> Sorry, I just have to say this, man. <laughs> but there's a panel in which Wonder Woman literally says, "Oh, I'd love to wear handcuffs." And like, <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. She's putting on a show, like a Houdini type of show, but still, she's she's bound. You know, like we'll get into this later, probably. But the, William Moulton yeah. Marston, you know, and his wife and and their mistress or whatever word you want to use for that mm-hmm. in their polyamorous relationship, um, mm-hmm. known to probably probably like BDSM. And Wonder Woman's always in these you know situations in these early comics and this is no exception she's like chained up in the beginning and trying to get out of it and it's just i was like yeah, i think Man. it goes beyond bondage subtext and more text yeah it's it's not that. subtext anymore it's <laughs> it's crazy how uh what you call it um i guess you could say progressive they were in the fucking 20s Mm-hmm. You know, we we're not even like most people don't even know what polyamory is today. And then they got their fucking like as yep. women are trying to get the vote, 
and they're part of it, by the way, Molson Marston mm-hmm. and his wife and, and their girlfriend, uh, they're part of that whole suffragette movement. And, but they, you know, polyamory and all that. It's just, I find yeah. that part really fascinating too. We'll probably get to that later on, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Probably in our own deep dives on wonder woman. Um, a lot of Max is different in the comics. His real name in the comics is Maxwell Lord the Fourth. His father, Maxwell Lord the Third, was actually kind of similar to the version we see, uh, not of the dad, but to Pedro Pascal's character, is as a man who really cares about um, his son and wanting his son to be proud of him and, and his image. Uh, and Maxwell Lord the Third discovered his company had been selling carcinogenic products that potentially killed people, and uh, he decided to commit suicide rather than bear with the shame. So that is a very different uh, background to Max's father compared to what we saw in the movie where it just seemed like he was an abusive dad. Uh, The Black Gold Cooperative Company is made up for the film. Instead, in the comics, he is in charge of something called Innovative Concepts. Uh, And like that, Max, he does reside in Washington, D.C., though his secretary is named Ms. Wutenhofer as opposed to uh, the uh, young blonde secretary in the movie named Raquel. Uh, he does not seem to have a son named Alistair. That just seems like that was something they added into it. I couldn't find any instances of Maxwell Lord having a son. Uh, just, I was even seeing if there was a Maxwell Lord V, but I couldn't find anything. Uh, there is a storyline in the 80s called Invasion. Uh, or actually think the 90s actually uh, where the aliens called the Dominator set off a gene bomb and that gave Maxwell Lord powers and he gave him a sort of low level mind control over other people Uh, and later on when they turned him into a full out villain in 2005's the OMAC project he would use that to sort of mind control people and even mind control Superman Uh, but the side effect is that it causes his nose to bleed which is what kind of what we saw in the movie where like his ears bleeding his nose bleeding when he confronts the president all those sorts of things. So, interestingly enough, I, I think that their version on Max was probably a little bit more along the lines to the early 80s version of Maxwell Lord as opposed to the one in the OMAC project, which was kind of the whole, which kind of felt like the whole reason why they were making him a major villain in uh, this Wonder Woman movie in the first place as opposed to having him in a Justice League movie. Right. Uh, this is also not the first version of Maxwell Lord to come to life. We saw him in Justice League Unlimited, voiced by Tim Matheson. He was in the episode Ultimatum, where he was the manager of a superhero team called the Ultiman. Uh, He was also in Smallville uh, in his live-action debut, played by Jill Bellows as part of the Checkmate organization, which which is what he's a part of in the comics. Uh, Most recently, he was the main villain of Supergirl Season 1, played by Peter Fascinelli. Um, and then most notoriously, he was going to be the main villain of George Miller's Justice League Mortal. Oh, my God, where he was to that's be right. Played, yeah, he was to be played by Jay Baruchel, and it was partially adapting the OMAC Project uh, storyline, which, again, is is sort of the main reason probably why he was considered or he became the villain for this movie. So that's sort of all, a lot of the comic book background to Maxwell Lord. So, so far, what do you think, Andrew, in terms of the deep dive in terms of how they adapted the stuff um like we've said so many times it could have been a lot better uh mm-hmm. you know like cheetah being you know working at the smithsonian and along with um with diana uh you know that that can work i feel like her being like a millionaire as it says in wonder woman 6 uh, yeah. might not have worked or for seven, this movie yeah. unless they changed a lot more 
but mm-hmm. you know so you have a good basis for them to be f- friends there and uh mm-hmm. so i think you know that change is fine with me um and uh you know max lord i don't know i liked them more probably more than you did i mean i mean i i know i did i mean we went over that but mm-hmm. uh as mm-hmm. far as the difference from the comics uh I don't know. That most mostly worked for me as well. Again, I forgive so much, mm-hmm. Ben. I forgive so so <laughs> much. One thing. I yeah. it's just not it's just you can't let it go. Anyway, I'm I'm gonna try. Yeah. I'm trying. Exactly. I'm I trying. Can't, I can't blame you, and I, I don't think you should, honestly. Yeah. I don't okay. think you should. Uh so yeah, I think that they did an admirable job at least trying to make Barbara connected more to Wonder Woman. Um again, wish that it was a little different, but that's what they ended up with. Um, I, I, I just feel like there's a movie in here and I was listening to Fat Man Beyond with Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin. And Are they saying Mark similar Bernardin, shit to us? Sorry, to, pretty much the same? Kind of. Bernardin pitches his rewrite on it and it fixes so many other things. <laughs> I, I gotta listen to about. this shit. I gotta listen. It fixes the whole Steve Trevor coming back in somebody else's body, which they talk about a lot. Him Woo, and Kevin Smith. Thank you, Mark um, Bernardin. Just not that, like, I feel like we were way more serious than they were, ironically enough, on that. Um, and then <laughs> basically, Bernardin pitches a version of this that takes all the boxes I was talking about, where Cheetah is the main villain, and it's about what does this mean thematically for, like, what do they represent thematically, Diana and Barbara? That's, as well as even, go ahead, even gives Linda Carter a bigger role, too, in, Boom, his, baby. in his pitch. So check that out because I personally for me when I saw that cameo I was like well now I'm instantly pick- if she's been alive this whole time now I'm picturing an instantly better movie with Linda Carter having more of a role than just like randomly saving somebody in the post credit scene but whatever that's you know <sighs> check out Fat Man Beyond for that rewrite but obviously we are not done with Wonder Woman 1984 again even though I didn't personally care for it, I will give it its due in terms of covering things that I liked about it as well as other elements. So next episode, we will be going into Steve Trevor, as we talked about, uh, but also the Invisible Jet. We'll be going into the Golden Wing Armor, where that comes from, and the ending and how that compares to how uh, Wonder Woman confronted Maxwell Lord in the original comics in the OMAC project. So stay tuned for that. We're usually and I believe, not so serious, but the way it started out, everybody, yeah. it was just, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I wish we would have been a little bit more jokey this episode, but what can you do? It just fucking was this kind of episode. <laughs> For the subject matter we were given. And again, yeah. I think a lot of it is just because it's the holidays and it's a very disappointing holidays for a lot of people given this time. Some people don't have family members with them who they ha- thought they would have during this time or are not able to see their family members and and it's it can cause some more intense emotions about something that you know in another context we just feel like another superhero movie so i think that's probably what it is but uh, you know we will dive more into it as well as some of the other things that we liked in all the different combo connections and that is superhero stuff you should know so starting off with our shout outs this week uh as i i did address matt herring but uh, i wanted to share his tweet where he said quote hey wonder woman 84 the clumsy genius trope is bad and you should feel bad there are a million great <laughs> subversions of this trope on display in real life from high functioning and successful autistic people to introverts of all shades do better be better so thank you matt thank you matt uh 
<laughs> uh, also on Twitter, at uh, Richard S. Scott J. said, quote, thanks to Superhouse, at Superhouse Pod, I have read the Batman 82 and Year One scripts. Oh, Both wow. are easily my favorite films that were never made. So nice. thank you for the kind words and for uh, digging into those scripts. I'm glad that you enjoyed them as well as we did. Um, over Circling over to YouTube, uh, Captain Beast Winger said, quote, this has honestly become one of my favorite Batman channels recently. Glad I discovered it. So thank you very much. Captain Beastwinger. Thank you. Uh, and then another comment from Sparkageddon318 says, quote, I love listening to y'all's script deep dive. I love listening to this more than watching the movies, man. <laughs> <laughs> wow, DC that is needs to a hire. compliment. Yeah, that is, yeah. He also says, DC needs to, needs to hire y'all to write an actually Batman film in y'all own universe. Thanks for breaking it down and making you all videos longer. I come to y'all page weekly when I'm bored. So thank you very much. This is maybe the, this I the guy from the South, that. right? Yeah, maybe I should have had you read that one, actually, <laughs> on second thought. <laughs> That's okay. It's already done, Ben. <laughs> That's good. Um, I think I then, saw that one before, yes. But thank you, thank yeah, you, Captain yeah. B-Swinger. And cool name once oh, again. And, and Spark again in 318. And Spark yes. again, cool name also. Yes. Everybody's uh, cool names. And then lastly, lastly, shout out to, on Facebook, uh, a user named Ryguy has been sharing us out uh, in terms of our videos in different Batman Facebook groups. And uh, is a big fan of ours, so I just wanted to say thank you very much and uh, hope you enjoyed the episode uh, on here. So thank you very much, guys. And over to you, Andrew. Okay. So uh, we'd like to thank, once again, Kookie Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B., Shamrock Balls, Aaron Willett, Ian H., Dan D., Leom O., Super Inframan, and Douglas P. <laughs> Please join the Shasta Army at patreon.com slash superheroestuffpod. $1 tier gets you the shout-out. $5 tier gets you the shout-out. Plus the bonus feed, one new, one extra episode a week. So it's almost a dollar an episode. Really cancel any time. Um, so there's that. Please check that out. Thank you to our Patreon patrons once again. Um, Superhouse merch. We're on the Red Bubble store. And that's superhousepod.redbubble.com. So please check that out if you want to get merch that way. We got the Indeed Wizard and the Ben, ben Man uh, merch on there. People want to check that out. We got a request one time for the Indeed. I think it was Walter the Robot, maybe. <laughs> yeah, Indeed, so, Indeed yeah. Wizard mug. So it's on there, man. So uh, I'm assuming since it's Walter, you're probably a man. Um, but uh, superhousepod.redbubble.com. And uh, please leave us a review in iTunes. Much appreciated if you do that. It increases our visibility within the iTunes store uh, and, and the podcast rankings and all that. And uh, please uh, take out your phone if you haven't already and uh, use your voice recorder app. It's already there. You probably didn't even know it existed. And then record us a little something and then send that little recording to superhousepodcast at gmail.com and then you too will be on the show and uh, do a little funny voice or whatever and that would be awesome and uh, I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Twitter and Instagram and I'd also like you to check out my other personal channel which is Thunderwolf Lives uh, on YouTube uh, it's mainly the, the focus of that one if this one is American comics and stuff like that focus on that one is more of like my uh, interest in Japan and uh, Japanese culture, Japanese language, and video games, a lot of video game stuff, 
and, and and of course some some anime not much manga actually probably should do some more of that but uh uh yeah just yeah check that out if you're into japanese stuff so i'm, I'm on there i'm trying to release weekly on that so that's a that's another thing so you can search for your thunder wolf live or thunder wolf live both will be fine and if you're just listening to the podcast audio wise that's awesome but if you want to see our like rogan joe rogan style youtube video of the exact same episode on youtube you know just our search lovely faces our lovely faces trying to update the webcams uh mm. just check out yeah superhero stuff you should know on youtube and i think that's it from me ben you can follow me on Instagram at Ben Juan Ryder, as well as follow the podcast on Instagram at Superhero Stuff Pod. You can also follow us on Twitter at uh, Superhouse Pod. On top of that, uh, outside of that, again, thank you very much, guys, for your support. 2020 was very trying time for everybody, <laughs> I know, but we're very hopeful that uh, you know 2021 we can continue to provide the same entertainment for you guys, the same deep dives, the same information, and uh, we'll continue to do that regardless of how we feel about the movies as we covered here in Wonder Woman 1984. So next week, as we said, we'll be covering a lot of the potentially the rest of the movie. If not, there might be a part three to this, but uh, we, there, we knew definitely there was going to be at least two parts to this series. So I'm looking forward to diving into more. The review is over, and we'll just do the back, back to deep dives. So... <laughs> So, yeah, that's it. Signing off. Ben signing off. listening to the Geekscape Network.